Welcome to this week's episode of Talking Tolkien. This week we talk about the Akalabeth and dealing with the downfall of the Numenorians. This is an epilogue in the Silmarillion leading up into the Third Age. So again, we are technically done with the Silmarillion. We just have this and one more thing to wrap up before we are done and we can move on to The Hobbit. So please enjoy. Why do you have a map of the Arkansas River? Why wouldn't you have a map of the Arkansas River? Anyway. I mean, it's only in Arkansas, though. Like, shouldn't it go to, like, you know, Oklahoma and Kansas and Colorado? Kansas is what we call Kansas, Kansas, since they call it Arkansas. Since they call it Arkansas. Yeah. Anyway, let's get started. Yeah. Uh, Wait, that's not entire. Okay, sorry. Stop. (laughs) So, yeah, this will be our penultimate discussion of uh, what of. I missed the chance to use my favorite word ever, which is anti-penultimate. We could, we could <laughs> uh, use last week. I mean, so, we, I mean, we could conceivably do like an all like an Ur Silmarillion podcast, like looking at the entire thing. But we kind of looped that into the last. We ca- yeah, we kind of yeah. added that into this. Is conceivably yeah. our anti-penultimate Silmarillion podcast, but probably it's just our penultimate one. So yeah, I mean, we. Um, I feel like we're. It's gonna be like a three-part thing of us like re <laughs> like re. Like re like I actually was questioning whether or not I wanted to number this episode, but then I realized no, nah, it's just go it's, ahead. It's still yeah, it's still part of the Silmarillion. It's under the Silmarillion. We're gonna put it under the in the umbrella. You know, we have yeah. again we it's finished the, the Silmarillion proper, but we're this is still in our kind of like Middle Earth history. Well, because I mean, like I knew Landale and Valaquenta are or, again outside of Quinta Silmarillion. Because this is yeah, exactly. This is the Silmarillion, not Quinta Silmarillion. And yeah. I hate to be like that guy saying that like <laughs> the article you use makes a difference, but the article you use makes a difference. It does. So, but so okay. In our anti-penultimate episode, oh, thank you. we <laughs> then, you're welcome, John. Um, we discussed Arendil and you know the sort of the War of Wrath. Yeah, the War of Wrath and what became of the Silmarils. Um, and How they're no longer a factor. And I mean, what, that's the point here. And what became of of Morgoth? So that was kind of you know again that was the end of the story. The story of the Silmarils. Um, we still have a little bit more to go on some other aspects of sort of the history of Middle Earth, and today uh, we are on Akalabeth. <laughs> Sorry, no, I was just thinking of it was like we have more to talk about, and for some reason the song um, uh, "My Guy" but featuring Sauron came into mind. Nothing you can say. Take me, me away, away from, from Sauron. Sauron. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that would be horrible. That's, that's, yeah, bad. A Calabeth. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, um, oh got you can't do a thing because Sauron gave me a ring. ring. Oh, Sauron. Uh, <laughs> you gotta cut an album. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next time on Talking Tolkien, we will be doing some Middle Earth karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, actually, no. I mean, the um, road goes ever on. It does have sheet music. <laughs> it does. If you love it, you should have put a ring of power on it. Uh... <laughs> Just going <laughs> to disregard that one. <laughs> oh, the single demons. Oh, the single or, demons. Or it could just be about... It could be Gollum singing to Frodo and if, about his finger. If you loved it, you shouldn't put a ring on it. 
Are we trying to just bounce away from how esoteric this like chapter was at the very okay, beginning? So, <laughs> so Holobeth is the entire history of Numenor, of Numenor. which is always in the sh- like the background of Lord of the Rings without ever really mm-hmm. being explicitly stated. So you know, I, I know Chase. Uh, several times we've kind of mentioned Numenor. Yeah, I've heard this name before. So who do we know who is sort of the last line of the Numenorians? Who have we heard of before that counts? Hold on, um, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So, <laughs> so is this, are you referring to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all of it, or just the Silmarillion? There's a real important dude in Lord of the Rings. Okay, um, based upon having read this chapter, <laughs> I assume it's got something to do with Aragorn. Aragorn. No, no, Ar- Aragorn, sorry. Aragorn, Aragorn is a former principality in Spain. <laughs> my God, my, my bad. I meant to say Aragorn. Yes. Yes. You would be correct, sir. I mean, if you want to talk about, like, like principalities and, like, European history, that's one of the things I'm uniquely qualified for, but <laughs> that's a different podcast. We're talking about Tolkien here. Yes, we're, um, we're talking Tolkien. We're talking Tolkien. Um, hey, name oh. of podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. So, what we're going to talk about today is basically, like... The Middle Earth version of the story of Atlantis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I needed a map for this yes. part too. And there will be <sighs> other interesting things we'll talk about map-wise too, uh, nearing the end of today's episode. So Numenor. Okay. So what happens is, as as we covered last time, the War of Wrath. Um, men fought on both sides. Yes. There are the wicked men who had been kind of turned by Morgoth, who fought on his behalf. And then there are the Edain who fought with the elves and the Valar. You remember the houses of the elf friends. Yes. Elf friends. So the the Valar, um, you know, they rewarded the 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 Eldar by letting them come back to uh, to the West, but they could not do the same for the Edain because the West are the Undying Lands, mm-hmm. and the Edain by by you know gift of mm-hmm. of Iluvatar do in fact die. They were yeah, they're given the gift of death. <laughs> so what happens instead is that they create a giant new island in the sea between the east and the west, as close to the west as they can get without being in Actually the in the west. This is like actually in Amman. We owed you more than this, but this is what you get kind of feeling to it. This is like your consolation prize. And so, yes. <laughs> and so they appoint uh Elros as king. Uh, and they grant them what they can do is is not eternal life, but extended extended life. Extended yeah, they were life. saying they were, like they were living like two hundred years well, plus. Uh, in uh, their, actually, in their shadows. So yeah, Elros lived for four hundred and ninety years. Nearly five hundred. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, Numenorians are very long living. Um, and Aren't they big as well. Yes, they're tall, tall taller than you know the other men that we've. Taller than your average tall man. Taller than your average tall man. I mean, I'm 6'2". Is it like taller than me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Taller than you. I think like um, Andre the Giant, but without the um, the the kind of added body mass that comes with that. <laughs> and again, they're kind of more similar in stature and in fairness and in, in in the meaning here of beauty to um, to the Eldar um, at this point. Okay. So, so the Numenorians are like your sort of supermen. Which kind of confused me a bit, like, when the description of them, because I, I, I swear to, I actually, for a while there, was questioning whether or not they were men, or were they, like, half men, half elves, but then I was like, no, these are just special men. Yeah, they're men, and they're, so they're descended from that kind of really noble blood, though, of Elros, who yeah. was half-elven. I mean, not all of them have not, that blood in right. them, but... I'm just saying, though, like, I forgot to... <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I mean, you got some men. We all need to silence our phones here at Talking Tolkien. Who who still die, who still die, yes. but live a really long time of life, but not as long as elves. And they happen to be an area just between Middle Earth and, like, basically and Valinor the undying, yeah. and the Undying Lands. Uh, I guess that won't cause problems? No! No, not at all? No. This one they won't start problems. getting weirdly envious and weirdly not. feeling weird? Uh, well, so, and for like 20 generations of kings, they don't. Yeah, so, no. you know, okay. as... Yeah. And, and so, for a while, this works out just fine. And so on the, the far western shores of, of Numenor, they are allowed to sail as far west as they can see the island and then yeah. go farther. But they're, yeah, they're because, again, they're still of the race of men, so they're forbidden to set foot into the Undying Lands. Those are That's not their place that was set out by Iluvatar. But they can sail as far east as they want, so they become masters of sail, or of shipcraft, and they sail everywhere but the west to the far ends of, 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 of existence. And don't they go to the door of, what was it, Sunset or Sunrise? I think something else. Sorry, I might, yeah, I think yeah. my channels cross yeah. a lot when I read um, this. And again, so it's important to note that at this at this point, so the Numenorians are they're content with this, and at this point, they still are kind of seeing mortality as their gift. It's a pretty not a bad life. Like everything yeah, about again, they cool. you know they have this great special place to live, and they have this you know hugely extended life, and they have the friendship of um, the Eldar. Um, and they have what I mean. What I, when I was reading this, I, I felt like they had like an empire over this island that would probably mm. be very would probably look absolutely spectacular to any man. I mean, mm. it's the this is man's equivalent of Gondolin. Yes. Yeah, there you exactly. go. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah, the um, you know, Numenor there was even a city built that had like images that mirrored that of, you know, the sort of splendor of those great elven but it wasn't strongholds. Enough. But it wasn't yeah, enough. but of course we can never be pleased with all of this fortune that we've give, been given for so long, right? Eventually the ugly head of jealousy will well, and come up and that like you could still like read on, on like clear days and stuff they could see the undying land exactly from their island. So yeah. I imagine like how many generations have probably gone about before between well, so after about twenty five hundred years yes. had passed, and Numenor was, you know, it was it and was this doing is all well. Post War of Wrath, yes, yes, this is post but, War of Wrath. But it is mentioned that the kings have a habit of stepping down and choosing to die once they feel mm-hmm. um, that they had fulfilled yes uh, their lives, so they could happily die. Yes, so unlike what is going on with with Queen Elizabeth II, which. <laughs> If Prince Charles ever becomes prince, will be king for like three years before he dies, and we get a hot young prince. I hey. mean, hot young king. But <laughs> Queen Elizabeth is never going down. Uh, you want to bet? Okay. <laughs> I mean, today's what? Today's Derby Day, so let's make a bet. It seems... <laughs> no, let's talk about Numenorians again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, sorry. <laughs> so yeah, again, you know, they they had been they sailed a lot into the east as well, and kind of. Um, spread out into a little bit into Middle Earth still um, and, and had some sort of establishments yeah, well, there. What's funny, I noticed when I actually looked at a map of where this place was at, it's really close to, it's like directly west of where the entire Hobbit and Lord of the Rings take place. And I was like sitting yes. there going, 
huh, mm-hmm. starting to see where it's starting to lean into that see, stuff. See why this is important to have before we start The Hobbit. If you, really, <laughs> if you haven't looked at a map yet, you really should. And we should yeah. probably like link to one on our website. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll okay. take care of that. We could do that. Um, mm-hmm. Which is TalkingTolkien.com. <laughs> but basically, if you're only familiar with Lord of the Rings through the movies, as Chase is, uh, or I should say through Middle Earth, anyway... Um, you know, they, they do pans over the maps in those movies, and it makes it look like the Shire is kind of the Oregon of Mid- if, Oh, sorry. This is very, <laughs> this is very like, ethnocentric of me. Assuming that Middle Earth is just is the United States of America. The, the Shire is kind of like Oregon, and they're like, there's like Washington, and they're like the wilderness of Canada, and there's nothing north of that. That's not actually true. In the greater scheme, like, the Shire is more like the San Francisco Bay Area, and you just never go north of California. Both feel and, very appropriate. Yeah, and you think, so. you think that Mordor is, is like Florida, but in reality, it's like Texas. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so Numenor is, is like, uh, I don't know. It's Catalina. just off the coast a little bit. It, it, yeah, it's, it's Catalina. <laughs> Numenor is Catalina. Oh my sheep. gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Ronald. <laughs> We prob- I probably should have compared it to Europe. Yeah, why didn't you yeah. do... Okay. I, think, I, don't, I don't know. Because, <laughs> don't know. because again, we're because Americans. Oregon is the kind of place where hobbits would actually live. No, actually, don't. hobbits would probably love Oregon. Oregon has some beautiful yeah. uh, landscapes. Long curly hair. I have some friends who are in Oregon right now. smokers, yeah. uh, hairy feet. You know, I'm going with this. <laughs> Living holes. I don't know. <laughs> now I just want to see a hobbit-themed episode of Portland. Meanwhile, uh, we have a new sort of big bad, if you will. Yeah, Sauron. In Middle-earth. So remember Sauron, who had been called Gorthar the Cruel, who was sort of a, uh, a like a servant-slash-minion of Melkor. Lord yeah. of Werewolves for some reason? Yeah, yeah, Lord of the Werewolves. I'm still confused by that one, but okay. He's, he's Aeonway yeah, he to, is, to Melkor. Yeah, he is, as Aeonway is to Manway, uh, Sauron is to Melkor. Um, I feel bad comparing Sauron to Aeonway, though, because he doesn't. he's not worthy He's not worthy. Okay, then, as John Ashcroft was to George W. Bush. There you go. Yeah, that's, yeah. I would say Cheney, but everyone knew Cheney was pulling the strings. That's fair. So, so anywho's it? Uh, Sauron has become a, a sort of great dark lord now, and so now the elves are having to contend with Sauron and fight against him. And so, you know, meanwhile, the Numenorians have been uh, prospering and. Uh, becoming more powerful, and they have great strength among them, right? Um, and they, they, I mean, they come to, to Middle-earth, they visit men, and they try and kind of uplift the, the men there, and yeah. build them shelters, because they had been living in, like, the forests and the darkness of Sauron, and they try to, like, kind of bring them to the light. And they also do uh, maintain a close friendship with, with um, Gilgalad mm-hmm. and the Eldar in Middle-earth and visit them. Right. And the Eldar from Tol Erisea do come and visit Numenor. Right. Which they are not allowed to do the opposite. And it is said on clear days that you can even see uh, a tower built on Tol Erisea from the western shores of Numenor. Indeed. But only some Numenorians are far-sighted enough to be able to see that. Yeah. <laughs> and I would imagine those Numenorians were the ones that had sort of more of the half-elven blood Probably, from that line, yes. right? That are dis- that are descended from like Elros. So so yeah. So the the elves call for help from the Numenorians against Sauron, and they 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 oblige. They do come and help. However, after a time, there are some men who again become corrupted. Because that's the kind of tricks that more that well, whoops whoops mm-hmm. Sauron learned <laughs> from his old buddy Morgoth. So yes. yeah, was, I did, we we could easily confuse Sauron with Morgoth. It was one of the. I want to say like the twenty fourth king or something who yeah who banishes basically worship of the Valar previously had been extant. I should mention mm-hmm. that 
the um, the Numenorians had kind of revered the Valar as gods. Well, and they had been gifted a sapling of Celeborn, right? Which itself was a sapling of Telperion. Yes, mm-hmm. and so they were growing their own white tree, um, and so. I do not have my notes with me. So the <laughs> king, the new king, adopts a non-elvish name and forbids the speaking of the elvish tongue. Except mm-hmm. they still use it in official records because they're superstitious. And names. Oh yeah, no, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like still using uh, Latin in um, the Vatican. The Vatican, yes. I suppose. What I mean, what this reminded me of was, um, I'm going to butcher this. So if any of you are Egyptologists, please don't call me out on it. Um, <laughs> Ankhenaten, the father of King Tut who abolished their polytheistic religion, instituted a monotheistic religion with himself as the god and forced everyone to worship him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was then overthrown and they destroyed all images of him and you know blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and then his son came to power and everyone loved King Tut. But it was actually the first recorded um, history, or the first recorded monotheistic religion in human history. Mm-hmm. But it just reminded me of this, of a king like suddenly like changing course and forbidding the previous... Yeah. So There's also a great Philip Glass opera about it. <laughs> So at this time as well, um, you know, the the they're kind of turning against the Eldar and the Valar, and the Numenorians begin to want Im- immortality um, because they've become envious and realized, hey, we actually don't think that mortality is so great anymore. So we are going to fight for uh, the right to party. To party on the earth. Six miles in. To party in in the undying lands. Seven days in. So wait, what are our Beastie Boy Middle Earth names? (laughs) We'll have to figure that one out later. That's that's a question I can't answer because I am not well versed in Beastie Boy (laughs) mythology. But now, now is this around the point where they actually start to like attack in Middle Earth? Like they start to take like ships and stuff into Middle Earth. Yeah, I mean that hinges on like my entire perspective on why Sauron does what he does. Yeah, so yeah, the Numenorians at this point, and their king is uh, Arpharazon. Yes, such a cool name. Yeah, there there are some really great names, and many of which that I can't pronounce um, (laughs) uh, among the Numenorians. But yeah, Uh, so he decides he wants to control Middle Earth now, which. Of course, Sauron has sort of named himself as king of Middle-earth, right? And yeah. So, so now we're going to have, like, a clash of the titans. Well, and I also feel like... <laughs> wrong mythology. <laughs> wrong mythology again, Katie. I feel, like, I feel like also that a lot of what Sauron is doing in this chapter, in, like, the last half of this chapter, is coming from this place of... I think it's not only... Because I feel like Sauron is different than Morgoth. I feel mm-hmm. like Sauron wears his fear... Mm-hmm. A little bit more openly than than Morgoth did. I think Sauron's actually afraid oh, of yeah. the Numenorians. Well, it, it says that Sauron resents the Numenorians and wants their downfall. Yeah. So again, Sauron as Melkor. I mean, this isn't right. This is explicitly said. This is just me like reading into it a little bit more because mm-hmm. he. They, there's like a part where they they like hit the shore and they start marching for like six or seven days and they hit they hit an area that's like I. I mean, I'm skipping ahead. Where mm-hmm. this is where Sauron finally meets with them. It gets an area that's right outside of um, Mordor, and I expected some reference to. Basically, I think they landed at where Minas Tirith is at. Right? Am I wrong on that? Because if we're thinking about this as directly east of uh-huh. Numenor, well, it's never explicitly. I know it's not explicitly. Well, okay, if you look at your little map, map there, I mean, yeah. yeah, Minas Tirith is rather inland. Yeah, but yes, the Numenorians, spoiler alert, do eventually go to Fountain Gondor. Yes, I, yeah, I could say geographically that that's I mean, that's not too far off. 
There's like a river that goes through a mountain ridge mm-hmm. that leads straight to yeah. Mordor. So and that's, I that's that. and that's why Minas Tirith is so vulnerable, as we'll see later on, is that it's you know right on the edge of Sauron's sort of evil country. And and Sauron does fear the Numenorians because they are so powerful, and he resents them. Of course, you know you know like any. Uh, good dark lord in <laughs> Middle Earth must be. Yeah. He's you know resents and hates the elves and the Valar and you know wants to bring about their downfall. Um, I mean, then this is where his plan starts to like come to fruition. I mean, mm-hmm. basically they march inland. Yes, and he comes out and like speaks with them and said. Uh, I mean, they capture him or something. He, yeah, so Sauron. Corrupts the king. Yeah, they don't capture Sauron. He he goes. He like willingly goes. He, he yeah. willingly goes he, with. He them. goes and he demands counsel with Sauron, and Sauron basically placates him, acting like he is inferior. And mm. so he says, "Sauron, you shall come and live under my rule." And Sauron agrees. Which, of course, is a mirror of what Morgoth has done before by yeah. you know feigning this sort of like fealty to someone when in reality what he's doing is corrupting that person to his will. Well, and also, like, I had to kind of course correct my image of Sauron in this chapter because he's, he looks like some dude. So, yes, Sauron does have a a corporeal form um, at this point. And it's Benedict Cumberbatch, right? And and it's Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, dear. Sorry, I couldn't refuse. I couldn't resist. (laughs) But he's disguised himself. He looks like a dude. He looks like Mm -hmm. a human. And they take him back to Numenor. Interestingly enough, if you um, watch through the uh, third or fourth disc of the extended edition of Return of the King, the movie, you know, they have all those immense makings of. They actually, originally in the movie, were going to have um, a one-on-one combat scene between Aragorn and And Sauron. Because they, at the time... The way the movie was paced, they felt like they needed like I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and like they needed an epic battle, and, and they ended up taking the footage they shot for that, and they just had it be him attacking a troll, and, and they CG'd a troll over Sauron. But the vision of Sauron that they had was him in this kind of angelic form, mm-hmm. which is as he presented himself to the Numenorians. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So you know, while it didn't uh, belong. <laughs> Uh, in Return of the King, it, it was there, neat to see them using yeah, this bit of the mythology. Yeah, it was neat to see that kind of correct um, portrayal. Portrayal that we, so we could surprise, surprise, Sauron manipulates everybody behind the scenes and turns them against the Valar. Tells them that the Valar have been lying, that Iluvatar is a myth, mm-hmm. and that the real uh, great creator is Melkor, Melkor, who the Valar have sealed off behind the door of the Void. And you start worshipping so him and praising so, him. Yeah, so at this point, the Numenorians are now worshipping Morgoth and, as their sort of god. And um, so there had been, you know, this temple complex that Sauron corrupts. He builds a giant tower that is 500 foot in diameter with 50 foot thick walls that is 500 feet tall, supplanted by a silver dome. Uh, it was really cool. Yeah, like, Basically really- a giant silo with a silver dome <laughs> in which he burns stuff. So he forbids the um, tending to of the white tree. So while all of this is going on, in the background is a small kind of faction uh, of believers who you know realize what is happening and that Numenor is being corrupted. And they're called the faithful. Yes. And so um, they are derived from a line of the royal family, but they are not 
currently kings. And um, Aldemir? Aldemir? Aldemir, yes. Yeah. So Aldemir is kind of their leader, and he has sons. The father of? Isildur. Mm-hmm. Whose name you name. should know. I know that name. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you only know the Lord of the Rings through the movies. Um, and Isildur's brother, Elisar? No, that's... Elendil. Elendil. Elisar is the, is the elvish name of... Why can't I remember this? Aragorn! That's right. Crazy names. <laughs> um, so, realizing what has happened, Isildur kind of disguises himself. And, and something that is very kind of reminiscent to me, at least, of Baron Luthien, mm-hmm. he goes to the White Tree, which is under lock and key and full guard. He goes in the middle of the night, and the White Tree is kind of dying. He steals a fruit from it. He is caught, but not recognized because he is in disguise. He's in disguise. Fights his way out, comes back, and they... Um, plant the fruit. He is suffering greatly from his wounds, but uh, when springtime comes and the, the sapling um, you know, leaves or flowers for the first time, he is cured of all of his wounds. And so this is where the white tree of Gondor comes from, yep. is the sapling that they have taken. Um, and then after this happens, Sauron chops the tree down and kindles the first fire in his new silo temple from the, tr- the wood of the tree. I was trying to find, actually, that section. I didn't mark it when I was reading this, but I really liked that part. It, it was just the way, the imagery of, like, this burning. Like, it felt like, this is something burning that is very precious and very pure. Not quite like the previous old trees, but it comes from that. Mm-hmm. So imagine when it was on fire. I imagine this, like, kind of like, like the fire not being a good, like... Like everyone is reacting to it negatively. I was just like, this feels weird. Well, this so feels bad. It says that the the dome is is is, is um, coated with silver, and everyone can see it from afar. And then very quickly, it tarnishes from all the smoke. And instead, it, it you always see the smoke, and it's kind of this reminder of yeah. the darkness of Sauron. And um, so the faithful at this time then live in a city on the northeastern shore of Numenor called Romana. Which I, I can't help but think that this entire thing is drawn largely from the story of the um, kind of the downfall of the Western Roman Empire, um, because you have kind of the removal of of of, of, of well I'm not going to bore you with historian specific <laughs> but basically the the Rome and the West fall okay so the Roman Empire I said I'm not going to bore you with specifics no I have specifics <laughs> uh, Constantine the Great bifurcated the Roman Empire he then transported the seat of power to the east to Constantinople. Uh, a.k.a. Byzantium, a.k.a. Istanbul, um, and the West quickly fell after that. But the remainder of what is now called referred to as Byzantine, but they saw themselves as Romans, uh, the remainder of Byzantine power was, was concentrated in the northeast of Italy, um, and the seat of power was called Ravenna. And so Ravenna was where the remainder of kind of society was after the Goths had invaded uh, the Italian peninsula. So, given that Romana sounds a lot like Ravenna, like, like it just yeah, that yeah, and, he's and since, from that. And since Tolkien is a Catholic, and kind of the history of the Catholic Church is tied up in this, I can't help but think that this is largely a uh, uh, you know um, an internalization of that story. Mm-hmm. But the point, the the thing is, though, Sauron is in this area preaching this gospel of Melkor and saying all these things about well, Melkor will give you. Uh, you know, we'll give you everlasting we'll give you life immortality. because yeah. Luvatar and his buddies—they're not doing anything over there, and they don't exist for one. <laughs> uh, nobody changes. In fact, in fact, it was it was stated that like people were dying faster. 
yes. because of this. Well, uh, largely well, because they were sacrificing them. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. So, you know, previously what with the Numenorians, you know, they would, again, they would live this sort of long and fulfilled life and then, you know, die when they decided that it was their time to die. Um, or, you know, rather that, you know, they they could die knowing that it was their time to die and they had lived a, a fulfilled life. Um, and then, you know, as all of these things sort of start to happen, their lifespans become shorter and they uh, begin to, again, sort of die of, uh, uh, like, mad... They uh, are stricken by madness and disease and, uh, you know, other horrible things that sort of diminish their, uh, their lifetimes and their value. So... At this time, Amadil sets sail and he says, you know, I, I don't know if this can be done, but I'm going to attempt to recreate what, uh, you know, my forefather Erendil had done and beg for the assistance of the Valar. Mm-hmm. And he is never heard from again. Yep. Yep. Disappeared forever. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know any enough to know if he's actually gone for... I mean, the book does explicitly say, never heard from again, so you tend to mean that means never heard from again. So eventually, and we've gone through a couple of kings now, and each one is further under the spell of Sauron. Eventually, uh, almost all of Numenor takes up arms and sets sail to invade the Undying Lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, won't tell me how that goes. So at, at this point... Um, Which, again, they're forbidden to set foot there. So at this point, the, the faithful left in Romana under uh, Isildur, Isildur, sorry, mm-hmm. and um, Elendil, uh, take off in nine ships. Uh, they they go as secretly as they can. They sail to uh, the and east the, and then do found what will become Gondor. And they have some help from the Eldar and the Valar as well. They have, you know, assistance and Be, yes, gifts because, and gems and because, whatnot from them. you know, by this point, it has been outlawed to even accept visitors from Tolarisea or mm-hmm. to, you know, meet with Gilbalad, but mm-hmm. they've been doing it anyway. Yes. So they kind of sail to Middle Earth and found a new kingdom. Right. Eventually. Eventually. Yeah. yeah but it there there are actually two settlements. Yes. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, then this this the sea of ships so dense that what was it that their masts looked like a forest? And yeah. It was a cloud. They, it was like described as a black cloud that yeah. was like coming towards that, which was a crazy image to. And then and this was and this is the one that's heading west, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so this is the one heading west into the. So I have this like. Man, this is the one I was like, this is probably the one part of this chapter I was like, man, I'd love to see this as a movie because I was just thinking, like, you've got this massive army heading towards the Undying Lands. You've got Sauron doing whatever he's doing in the middle of this, but in the middle of Numenor. And then you have, like, this small contingency going, like, we're out. We're no, no, <laughs> nope, no, none of this. We were told we couldn't do this, so bye. Oh, and in the background, I'm sorry, we have forgotten this. This is already after the creation of the Rings of Power. Yes. And yeah, that was referenced. And, and yeah. the nine, we'll be talking the about nine rings, which have been given to men, uh, mm-hmm. three of which were Numenorians. Yes. Um, we'll learn about that. And uh, of the Rings of Power in the next time. <laughs> but it, it does mention that this has happened in the background. So Sauron yes. has already... Yeah, it, it did say specifically, like, one ring and then a few yeah. other... Yeah. Yes. Yep. So yep. that has already happened. Um, so then, basically, what happens is the Numenorean Navy... Uh, in the Navy. Uh, they surround <laughs> Tal Erisea, and all of the elves kind of withdraw into... Uh, Heidi holes. No. Well, no. They kind of, <laughs> they kind of fortify. Yeah. And so um, Manway himself speaks with Iluvatar and says, you gotta do something. Yeah. And so Iluvatar breaks open the sea. Uh, Numenor falls in. As the water falls, their ships are sucked in. And is in. lost forever. Yes. 
uh, all the ships are sucked in, and um, when he brings back the world, he basically removes the Undying Lands from it, but he doesn't. He kind of... He, well, he, he creates a new sea and new lands and makes it such that the Undying Lands will never be found. And what has happened now, too, is that so the world... You know, we, this is uh, the sort of like epilogue of this chapter. The world has been made curved. Yep. The world has oh, been made round now at okay, this point, yeah, and sort of reshaped. And Aman and um, you know the Undying Lands and everything is like you said removed from the world and put in a place that's unattainable except for those who are granted the ability to find it. So it's like, it's you won't have a situation like... Uh, Where you can... Uh, uh, the... the uh uh, the last chapter we read where the dude on the boat Aaron went to, yes uh, <laughs> where he got over there and he actually made it you won't have a situation like that mm-hmm. it would be specifically like you have made counsel with the Valinor you or with Iluvatar so mm-hmm. they're like we're ready for you and to you're come granted over. access to yeah. this yeah because it's you know so now like the Undying Land is even more unattainable than ever before at this point, it's but, com- it's removed from. But there is a straight path. Yeah, there is a straight path to so it. But again, yeah, hell cracks oh, it, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, <laughs> it's got to be the worst of paths, right? <laughs> it's only uh, that path is only made available again to those who are worthy. Of are it. worthy of it? Yeah. So in this, Sauron himself was on in his throne, um, Numenor, and he gets sucked down, and this is where he loses corporeal form because yeah. he can. His spirit can can kind of spirit away, uh, but his the body he had created is, is lost, and so then he withdraws to Mount Doom, where he had made the One Ring, and he uses the power of the One Ring to craft a new form, a giant which eye, which is a great eye that sits upon this great, you know, uh, tower of Baradur and Baradur, can, yeah. and can see all. Well, and that w- that was a great part too. That was so epic to me, where he's like in this like temple, and then lightning strikes it, and lightning is like striking oh, yeah, all so, over mm-hmm. the island and like killing people. And I just imagine him like for some reason the image came to mind of like it's striking and blowing up the the temple, and he's just laughing his ass off in the middle <laughs> of it, more or less. And it would like be- oh, just like I don't care, the I don't one- care. His body gets blown up, I don't care, whatever. The lightning strikes, and then the eagles come and also attack, and that is actually what causes them to invade. And the eagles are even, like, making thunder and lightning happen, too, at this point. It's pretty I remember this now because it is said that when the Navy takes off, their cheers were louder than the thunder. Yeah, yeah, you could hear it over the thunder, over this great storm that's happening. Oh, yeah, and then Arafarazan hardened his heart, and he went aboard his mighty ship, Alcaranda's Castle of the Sea. Which is cool. Many oared it was, and many masted, golden and sable, and upon it the throne of Arafarazan was set. Then he did on his panoply and his crown and let raise his standard, and he gave the signal for the raising of the anchors, and in that hour the trumpets of Numenor outrang the thunder. Wowzers. Yeah. And then it gets promptly sucked into a hellhole. Pretty intense. And this was the point, too, where Sauron, not only when he changed it, he can no longer disguise himself as it's put fair to the eyes of men yes. mm-hmm. ever again. And then 
I just want to read a, a few more sections. So then Manway upon the mountains called upon Luvatar, and for that time the Valor laid down their government of Arda, but Luvatar showed forth his power, and he changed the fashion of the world, and a great chasm opened in the sea between Numenor and the Deathless Lands, and the waters flowed into it, and the noise and smoke of the cataracts went up to heaven, and the world was shaken. And all the fleets of the Numenorians were drawn down into the abyss, and they were drowned and swallowed up forever. But Arpharazon, the king, and the mortal warriors that had set foot upon the land of Ammon were buried under the falling hills. There it is said that they lie imprisoned in the caves of the Forgotten until the last battle and the day of doom. So this is referencing got, that yeah. What I mentioned got last, external life. What, well, what I mentioned last time about the unmaking of the world and the yeah. you know, um, I did a little more. I looked back into it and I sent the information to you, and it's mm-hmm. called only by Christopher Tolkien who named it. You know pieced it together from his father's notes, uh, Dagor Dagorath, or the mm-hmm. Battle of Battles. And so this passage is, is taken to be a reference yeah. to the, the fact that that will happen. The last the battle. The last battle in the Day of Doom. Yeah. I mean, I just, got, I just thought it was crazy that these guys yeah. are good. They, it, if the story is true, they got, they got eternal life. They got what they wanted. Just not how you would have wanted it. Just not how they really wanted it. Yeah, <laughs> locked under the sea forever. Mm-hmm. Under the sea. <laughs> Not oh, in that happy sort of Sebastian the Crab under the sea. No, right? more no. like screams of more, terror and pain. Yeah, screams of terror, Atlantis lost uh, <laughs> the lost city. <laughs> so, 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 so you're telling me that, like, Arda actually has a hollow center that is, like, populated by people, <laughs> and we could go down there and, like, and that's... There's a whole other civilization and books there too, right? Right? Is that where the hobbits even come from? <laughs> Hollow Earth theory and Middle Earth. Do the hobbits come from the center of the Earth? Yes. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> but again, so this is sort. This is the result of a, this disregard for the gift that you're given as mortal men and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, rebelling against um, sort of the authority and joining forces with the big bad. This is what happens. And this wasn't even shiny things. No, this wasn't even shiny things. This was this was the shiny thing in this uh, scenario was immortality. Yeah, and being able to see it just right off the well. Yep. To be fair, the dying lands wouldn't. Have the dying given. lands are kind of shiny, though. I mean, it wouldn't have given them eternal life anyway. It would probably just been like, "Hey, we're in a prettier place, Valinor mm-hmm. guys. Mm-hmm. Can you give us eternal life? No, no, no. It's, go go home. It, we'll it, teleport y'all home. It, Bring those." Stupid eagles, you know. It was not some that you were given eternal life. That's really it. I mean... Yep. So was, that's... Yeah, I this mean, is... I mean, it teases for the stuff in the future, but, mm-hmm. I mean... This, this gives you a framework. So the story of, of the Numenorians gives you a framework um, to set uh, the people of Gondor in. Because, again, so Gondor was settled by those few who had decided, nope, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And decided to go to Middle Earth and you know make their own settlements there and not wage this war against the West, which was pretty smart of them. Yes, incredibly uh, smart. And but I kind of am privileged to have the knowledge of kind of what happens with them in the future, but it's so mm-hmm. far away. But I guess like time is starting to get weirder now. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been twenty. It was twenty five hundred years since mm-hmm. the end of the book, end of the Quintus Silmarillion, mm-hmm. to now to this events. 
but it's like what another four thousand years or something like that mm-hmm. until the events of Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. and The Hobbit. So we have many generations to come. <laughs> or three, I think it's three thousand. I don't mm-hmm. know. It depends on how long Isildur lives. And these yeah. people can live for like four hundred spin years, so I guess that's a pretty long time. And now you can tell why. Um, I mean, there's more history yet to be covered, but why in Lord of the Rings, uh, Aragorn is so reticent to kind of acknowledge who he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the, the Numenurians were great, but it's also a very... But they also have a very, yeah... It's a cautionary Unfortunate tale. history. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, because, yeah, he's descended from this ancient race of men that... Um, again, forged this unfortunate alliance with, at the time, the utmost evil. Well, now it makes sense why the people who were probably, you know, like Elrond and Galadriel and... Sorry, I did butcher that. There is a cough in my throat waiting to come out, and it would, and it just caught me right then. Sorry, hold on. <laughs> no, there... But the people who were old enough to remember all of this stuff, mm-hmm. I imagine we would be very split. On someone like Erebor. You said Gliadriel. Erebor! And Glia is a We're going to talk about Erebor, actually. Glia yeah, I know. is a type of cell in your brain, and now I'm just imagining, like, like some neuroscientist is, like, obsessed with Lord of the Rings until he names part of and the brain. <laughs> you know, it's like how people who discover, like, new insects or whatever will name them weird things. Like, there's an enzyme named Sonic Hedgehog. Yeah. But anyway, what were we... Anyway. But what I was getting to was... You know, there, there, there are people going to feel weird about him, mm-hmm. obviously, because they had to probably watch all this stuff happen. I mean, no, I guess it's not close enough where you could see well, this stuff happen. I mean, imagine like, imagine like the people living in like, I was about to say the Shire, but I don't know who mm-hmm. lives in the Shire at this time. But the people off of Middle Earth are probably like looking over at the sea and like, what is going on over there? Well, and again, you know, we we'll we'll get to this later. You know, Elrond will talk about what he sees that goes down with Isildur. Um, and why he doesn't have any faith in men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and this, yeah, this is absolutely part of that, you know, why the Eldar, again, have this great rift um, between a lot of men and themselves. Um, men have a way of easily turning. They've, I mean, yeah, they've become corrupted. From what I've gathered, Men are corrupted by outside forces very easily. However, yes. elves can be corrupted by their own just themselves. Basically, mm-hmm. they they alone like they. I think it's product of living so damn long. Mm-hmm. But like Feanor went crazy, mm-hmm. not necessarily because of what because of Melkor, but because of what Melkor did to him. And mm-hmm. Then he just like sat there and I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 just interesting seeing those like splits. Like they're both they're all kind of guilty of the same sort of stuff. Weird having this book in my head now. Like having like read it and and like sitting there with it. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Like this. Like I just noticed your book. We, we were in like that chapter was like on like page three hundred and like thirty something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is like I read it on my I read it on my Kindle app on my mm-hmm. phone and iPad and I just like had this like I didn't quite get a perspective of like um, actually how few pages this book was. Like that seems very few. It's very dense. Yeah, mm-hmm. compared to like the Hobbit is two hundred fifty, mm-hmm. and I know it's not as dense. And the Hobbit so. covers what like a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we 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 breeze through like seven months of it. 
uh, weirdly enough, I went ahead and just read the first chapter of The Hobbit this weekend. Because I, I just read it, and I was like, well, I'm done with that. Wow, that was fast. Yeah. <laughs> we still have to talk about the third age of the Rings of Power first. Yeah, we got more history. <laughs> yeah, a little bit more, about. and then we'll be on to uh, considerably, con- considerably uh, more lighthearted and we got some movies <laughs> to throw in there too. We got three yeah. movies to throw in the middle of the Hobbit for, for reasons. Which we feel obligated to mm-hmm. review. Oh, it's gonna be fun. <laughs> oh. It'll be, uh, yeah. We'll should have fun we, with that. Should we? <laughs> but, should we watch each movie after we finish that section of the yes. book? Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh yes. In yes. fact, I actually earlier today I was going through the Hobbit and I was looking at the table of contents and trying to figure out where we could see each where movie. Where we'll be breaking to watch I the only movie. Saw the, mm-hmm. I only saw the first one, and I saw it because I knew it would be bad, and I wanted to watch it be bad, mm-hmm. and it was. And I felt justified then in hating it and speaking against it. Well, that'll be for later. We'll have a lot... Uh, we'll have things to discuss Favorite about parts that. of the Calabeth. But yeah, so back to... Yeah, so favorite parts of, of a Calabeth that we've read today. I want to name a cat a Calabeth. <laughs> I feel like that's appropriate name for a cat. The downfall of the Numenorium? Uh, wait, wait, hold on. What's... What, it just sounds cool, okay? What, what Would is, you name a lizard like Holocaust? <laughs> no, that's not what I was getting at. Wait, so a Calabeth translates to downfall of... Downfall of the Numenorians. Really? It's, it's, oh, I didn't know that. I figured like it was then, something else. Like so, the the Elvish name for it too is um, Atalanta, which oh weird sounds an awful lot yeah. like Atlantis, does it not? <laughs> no, I mean, a Calabath the Downfallen. Yeah, the Downfallen. That's what it is. Yeah. Oh. Which are the Numenorians, right? Okay. I mean, yeah. my favorite part was just when Sauron was in that temple and I got hit by lightning and he just started laughing his way back to Mordor mm-hmm. with no, like, no physical form. My, my Im- imagination with him laughing all the way back, I don't know why. <laughs> Mine, as, as an architecture historian, is kind of uh, skewed. There were just several passages in which he goes into greater detail about the architecture than he generally does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I noticed temple. that, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just the temple, which I actually thought was a little, a little bit crude. Mm-hmm. Um, though, probably by design. Um, like, the, the he kind of goes into the burial r- rites and how kind of the, the crypt is brought into... I don't know, I just... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to bore you, but I liked it a lot. <laughs> um... Mine, there's, so there's a, there's a passage where, um, oh yeah, that's the other thing. So, uh, the island that they're given is kind of star-shaped. Just, yeah, the other I map. I just you pulling I, that up. <laughs> the other map didn't show. Yeah. But there is a map that shows a star shape, which, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so back to, yeah, so, uh, oh, I. Well, and they mentioned how they were guided there by. Mm-hmm. Um. By Arendelle. Yeah, so. Yep. So that's very fitting. Um, so, th- well, so there's this time when they're kind of, uh, worshipping Morgoth, right? Because Sauron has turned them, um, against the Valar and against the Luvatar. Um, and they're even, you know, sacrificing, uh, some of their own people to Morgoth. Um, and there's a passage that says, um, and this, again, this is, they're still, uh, uh trying to earn their, or win their immortality in doing so. So there's a passage, and it says that um, those were bitter days, and hate brings forth hate. And I think that that's, I don't know, we've, we've seen that before, right? That, uh, like, corruption and jealousy and rumors, all it serves it's like a, it's like is... A, it's like a postscript to, like, the Silmarillion, which yeah, is, like, yeah. it's like, this stuff begets this stuff. Exactly. Hate brings forth hate. And, you know, Sauron, of, at, at this point, is our 
evil uh, corrupter and has, uh, with his own hate for the Eldar and the Valar, has managed to turn men, even great men, against um, Iluvatar uh, by means of his own hate and breeding their hate. So, I don't know. Just one yeah. Yeah. It's very astute. <laughs> There's one place that Melkor's influence hasn't touched in Lord of the Rings. Or, I mean, oh god. In Arda. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> That's the Corgi Island filled with the talking corgis. <laughs> Corgi Island. Who will come and fight against love. Sauron in the final battle. Uh, I think you've been reading some fanfic there, Chase. <laughs> Hope Corgi defeats Sauron. No, actually. <laughs> oh, I figured it out that the, the, the Numenor is like... Like the size eight, of Australia. It's, it's like the, a fifth the size of Australia, of Australia. based mm-hmm. upon the weird maps that I saw. So calling it just an island might feel a little weird. It Is like it a like Wolfram Alpha? Is it, um... I just gathered it from what this is, image. It just They just said, like, it's like it's like 500 miles. What is the rumored size of Atlantis? Uh, if I remember correctly, I actually know that one. It's like, uh... Like half the size of Australia in the middle of like the Atlantic Ocean, so yeah. or was Pacific Ocean? Because I always heard when I was a kid that like their their thing was like that the the Bermuda Triangle was like where Atlantis was, and like the force yeah. of it being pulled off the Earth or whatever like mm-hmm. caused like some weird distortion in that area that made it. And like, that's why they're that why people like actually I was going through, I was Bermuda going through Triangle. my I was, I was going through my. Um, a sticky that's been saved on my computer, like, and I've transferred it between computers since 2006, in which I was riding a bus to California, woke up in the middle of the night, like, jotted this note down on my computer that just said, Shirley McLean, colon, Satan, question mark? <laughs> I mean, do they know how big uh, Arda is supposed to be? Well, like, Arda, has- Arda is the Earth. Oh, that's cute. Oh, I meant I meant the landmass is like is Middle Earth. What I've always noticed from looking at maps of Arda and the, the landmasses of uh, Amon and Middle Earth is they look like two kidneys. <laughs> is that is that the point? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess if 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 Numenor is supposed to be five hundred miles, mm-hmm. I guess you could like. So I mean, the world's not very big in this in this book in these books, even though it's supposed to be like. Earth, but in the super past. Alright, well that was Chase. <laughs> and that was John. I, I want that to be, and that was Katie. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that worked that time. Pip. <laughs> and we'll be back uh, next time with our end of the Silmarillion, the final book. We'll close it completely. Our ultimate Silmarillion podcast. Our ultimate Silmarillion uh, podcast. The ultimate. This is Talking Tolkien, a production of the English class, and you can follow us on Twitter at Talking Tolkien. You can find us on Facebook at Talking Tolkien. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher under the same name as well. Thank you. Bye! He's, he's disguised Sauron as some dude. Right has now. form, has yes. Form. At this, oh, oh god, <laughs> I kicked the thing. <laughs> oh no, cut, cut. Oh, I'll definitely see that in the editing. <laughs> All right. So okay. But anyway, okay. so yeah.